Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. Have you been challenged the last few weeks on this series where we've been talking about prayer? Anybody here, like, I'll be honest, I've been challenged. Have you been kind of, has has God been stirring something in your heart, challenging you in certain areas when we we speak about prayer? And I think that's, that is a good thing because prayer is, is one of the most intimate things we can do as a believer. And so we've been spending some time the last few weeks talking about prayer and we've examined the, the prayer life of Paul. We've examined, we looked, at, uh, we looked at the prayers one week. We looked at the prayers of Elijah. And we've been doing this for four weeks. And here's the, the topics we've been talking about, praying with power, right? Not praying for power, because if you're a believer, uh, the Bible says that, that his, his power, it's in us, right? Praying, praying with power, praying with a sense. In week two, we spoke about, God, give us more boldness to share our faith. How many of you are here, right? God, give me the boldness to just invite someone to something, right? It doesn't necessarily, we always kind of talk about church, but God, give me the boldness just to, to share the faith, to live my faith. Week three, we, we spoke about, God, would you come down and would you just bring the supernatural in to the natural? God, would you interrupt our physical situations with the spiritual? And then if you were here last week, you know, it, it, it's, it's so good and important to, to speak about some of these highlight reels of prayer, but if you were with us last week, I think you have to jump in and ask some tough questions about unanswered prayers. How many of us have ever had a prayer go unanswered? If you have, and by chance you weren't able to be with us, I want to invite you, jump on our YouTube channel, jump on our website, and, and, and catch up with us, because that message was a, a, a tough one. Uh, a toughie but a goodie. Would we agree with that? Right? Where sometimes, God, your purpose doesn't necessarily line up with our thinking. And how do we deal with that? How do we ask tough questions? How do we wrestle in our faith? And so today I want to close out this series looking at a prayer that Jesus prayed. And we're going to look at another prayer of, from Paul. And, and could we say it like this? Would you write this down in your notes today? If, if Jesus prayed it, and if Paul prayed it, how many of you would agree it's probably vital that we would pray this way as well? It's extremely important that God's people would pray for things that Jesus prayed about and that Paul prayed about. If, if, and, and here's the topic. Would you turn to someone and say unity? And we're going to talk about, uh, right, this is kind of one of those like often overlooked among believers, unity among believers, unity among the church, unity in God's family, unity within the body of Christ. Does that apply to us? I think so. I think so. And so this is the common theme today that we're going to look at. Jesus prayed for the disciples. He prayed for his church. Uh, we know Jesus died for the disciples. He died for the church and he prayed for unity among the believers. John chapter 17, and we're going to start in verse 9, and I'm going to give a little context after I read through this kind of quickly. I'm going to just kind of go through it, and, and, and let's get some scripture today. How many of us are ready to get into God's word? 
Here's a prayer in chapter 17, verse 9, and if you want to start in verse 1, maybe kind of review this week, I would encourage you because Jesus initially prays for his disciples. How I many know these disciples were the, the boys? They were the, the, the locker room teammates. They were the fellas that they, they hung out a lot over this three-year journey through ministry, and that time is coming to an end. And Jesus prays this, starting in verse 9. Would you read along with me? My prayer is not for the world, but those you have given me because they belong to you. Verse 10, all who are mine belong to you, and now you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you've given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are united. Jesus prays. Would you underline, would you circle that final word in your, in your translation, whatever your, your, your verse says? Uh, this is the, I believe, the New Living Translation. It says that they would be united. Most translations use the term that where Jesus says, I pray that they would be one, just as you and I are one. After he prays for the disciples, he continues on in this method of prayer in John chapter 17. And let's read in verse 20. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. My goodness, there's some repetition here. You are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that may, we may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. I think I drank too much Red Bull today. Don't no, teasing. The content of John chapter 17, could you say it like this? This is the final prayer of Jesus. And maybe you're like, the final prayer of what? If you're not familiar with Scripture, if you just flip the page and you turn to chapter 18, all of it begins. This, this journey that Jesus is going to walk, his mission, right? It's coming to an end. Chapter 18 begins with this, 18 verse 3. This is where, G, right after Jesus prayed these things, look at verse 18 really quick, verse 3. It says, Judas took a company of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests, and the Pharisees came there with lanterns, torch, uh, torches, and weapons. In short, right in verse 17, leads us, turn the page to chapter 18. This is the final prayer of Jesus before he was betrayed before he was arrested, before he was put through a sham trial, before he was flogged, before he was mocked, before he was sentenced to death, and before that death sentence was actually carried out through crucifixion. So how many of us would, would kind of like, kind of just say, oh my gosh, chapter 17 is pretty important, right? All of the Bible, right? And, and look at even as we go on, John verse 4, chapter 18 verse 4, it says, after Judas came with weapons and torches and lanterns, verse 4 says this, Jesus, knowing everything that would happen to him. That's found, I don't know if I put that in the app today, but would you look at that? John chapter 18, verse 4. Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him. I have a question for you. If you had one final prayer to give before you're going to heaven, if you had one final message, one final speech to make 
Um, I think of great speeches, and I know it was kind of like my type of movie, but I think of one final great speech. Like if you had a William Wallace moment, you know what I'm talking about here? Anybody, any Braveheart fans in the house? Right? If you had a William Wallace moment, right? And I'm not going to do the Scottish accent. Or should I try it? I kind of want to try it, but I'm not going to, right? When he says, if you run, you might live, but you might live for a little while. And remember that, that final speech he gives to the soldiers before they go into war, many of which probably weren't going to come out of it. But remember he says, would you trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that you might take our lives, but you'll never take our freedom. Remember that line? Oh my, right? And I just want to like go crazy. But here's the question. If you had one last message to give to your husband, what would it, what would it read? If you had one last prayer to give to your spouse, your wife, what would you say? If you had one last message to deliver to your children, what would you say? What would it read like? If you had a a message for your parents, you know, a final word for your kids, what would you say? And with that in mind, with that in mind, I want us to realize the context of how important this moment in Scripture is in John chapter 17. Consider the context. Consider that the time has come for Jesus to leave. The time has come for Jesus to be betrayed. And the time has come for Jesus to to die. That is the context of John chapter 17. And so I was kind of playfully red bowling my way through that verse. But with that context in mind, I want to read this again. And I want us to really let the words of Scripture just permeate and marinate in our hearts. Let it just sink in. Can we bow our heads? Can we just pray, God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word today. God, that you would soften areas of our heart that need to be softened. God, that you would convict areas of our heart that need correction. God, we humbly come before you and say, God, I just want to hear from you today. So whether it's a word that I need to be built up, God, would you build us up? God, if it's a word where we need to be redirected as your children, would you redirect us? We're open to that today. In Jesus' name, amen. So John chapter 17, verse 20, with the context now in mind, can we read this scripture? Verse 20, Jesus said, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one, and you are in me, Father and I am in you and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me Jesus is praying this is his last prayer God I have given them the glory you gave me so may they be one as we are one I am in them God I'm in them and you are in me may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Would you underline verse 23? God, may they experience such perfect unity. For what reason? For what reason? So that the world might see something. May they be 
in unity so the world would believe that you sent me. I would say this in the life of the church, and we can we could talk church history. You could take an entire semester in a college course on the history of the church, but man, we've all seen arguments take place within our homes, within our, the life of our families or our kids, our, our, our congregation, a local church, a city church, whatever it might be. But man, can we say it like this? I think if Jesus were here, he'd say, if you're going to argue about something, if you're, gonna, if you're going to contend for something, I would like you to contend for unity. I would like you to argue about unity in churches, and I would love to, would you argue about unity in the body of Christ? I want to ask a, a question, and, and there's probably moments where we would each raise our hand and just say, yeah, yeah, but a, a quick question. Has anybody here, um, have, we're going to play Have You Ever in church? No, I'm teasing. We're not, we, that's probably not a good idea. Um, but have you ever, right, how many of you have ever heard someone and maybe we've done this ourselves. Like, I've probably done it. I'm like, two hands up. But have you ever heard someone criticize our church? Right? We could raise our hand. We, some of us could be like, I've probably, like, I've, I've criticized our church, right? How many of us would be honest enough to say that, right? Uh, you, could, you could even be like, you know, you guys have that crazy rock show with those crazy lights all the time during worship. You bunch of, like, rock fans, whatever you are. No, I'm teasing, right? But how many of you, here, here's another question, and I think every hand would go up. How many of you have ever heard someone criticize another church? No hand, nobody? You're like, nope, we never gossip. <laughs> we know. Or, or you know, like, wouldn't we all say, like, absolutely, we've heard people criticize a church or criticize a preacher on TV or whatever it might be, right? We, we, we assume things. I've heard things. Has anybody ever heard this one? Like, that church is so big, they must be watering down the gospel. Has anybody ever heard that? You guys are like, some of us are like, yes, right? Or is that like a thing of the, the 2000s? I'm not sure, right? They're so big, they must be, they must be like preaching an easy gospel. I've heard people say that, like, you know, that church doesn't, they don't, they don't preach against sin. They don't, they don't call out sin, right? We, we, we do things like this all the time. We, we, we make these, like, you know, that, that church, it's just a bunch of young people, right? Because sometimes we think criticisms are like the big things, but when you think about, like, unity within the church, this is how it shows up, and sometimes we don't even recognize we're doing it. Sometimes we don't even realize that we just knocked, we just knocked God's church, we just went totally against what Jesus was praying for in John chapter 17, and it happens in the smallest ways. It happens through humor very often, right? But we do. We say things like, that church is full of young people. That church is full of old people, right? That church, uh, goodness, I mean, it's, it's interesting to me, right? That church, they drop a screen, and they don't even have a pastor in the building. I've heard that before, right? They just drop a screen down, and the preacher just screen preaches. I don't know what that even means, right? But we do this all the time, and sadly, take your pick. And, and I'm kind of going with like the lighter ones, folks, but I'm sure sometimes the discussion is just easy to fall into different ways to criticize, different ways to knock. That church is smaller, so we, we, we knock them. That church is larger, so we knock them. Whatever it is, and, and we fail to realize that every church has a very significant role 
when it comes to building God's kingdom. Every church has the ability to reach people that we may not have the ability to reach and build God's kingdom. But the sad part is these aren't just like jokes. These are, these are real comments. And I want to ask, like, how many of us have ever purposely or unintentionally said something like that? Right? I mean, I'm throwing, like, I, like unintentionally, whether it's like our heart may, like, may not have been what we meant, but our words matter and what we say matters. Right? Sometimes the excuse of, well, I didn't mean it like that. No, no, it doesn't matter. That's what you said. I didn't mean to criticize God's church. I didn't re- mean to like totally go against Jesus, what he prayed for in John. I didn't mean it. Well, that's what's in your heart, right? Probably all of us would agree. And tragically, I think before we get to our first point, it's interesting to me, just a reminder, the final prayer of Jesus was what? A prayer for something. He didn't pray again. He prayed for unity within the body of Christ. And as I said, you can walk back through church history, and church history for all of its beauty, for all of the amazing things that the bride of Christ has done on this earth, it's obvious when you read church history that there is the the reality that the body of Christ can also be so divided, right? You just look at it, it can just be so divided. And so there's a few things I want to talk about this morning before we come to the table of the Lord and uh, before we, we, we take communion together. Does everybody have their communion so we can like even just talk about it now? We'll, we'll get it later, but uh, we want to just encourage you, if, if you need a communion cup later, actually, let's just get into it now. If you need communion, would you throw your hand in the air? And so when we get time at the end of service, let's take a little break. No, I'm teasing, not break, but yeah, it's all right to kind of relax, move around. But uh, there's some hands going up. Maybe I should have waited. Maybe I shouldn't have. But we got one service, and it's all good with one service. You just roll with it, baby, right? But would you take your communion and just hold on to it for the next 15 or 20 minutes or so, and uh, we will get you that. But why is praying for unity so important? Why is this prayer for unity so important? Number one, would you write this down as we pass out loads and loads of this impressive communion cup? Number one, would you write this down? Praying for unity is important because, here we go, don't miss this, it was of the utmost importance to Jesus. Would you write that down this morning? Would you pull out your your smartphone? Would you turn on your Bible? Would you write this into your notes? Get your thumbs fired up. Praying for unity is important because it was the utmost importance to Jesus. We should probably take the hint. Hello, turn to someone and say, hello, it was his final prayer. Right? If I had a final message to give to my girls, if I had a final message to tell my mother or my father, a final message to tell my wife, how many of you know whatever is on my heart in that last moment is important? And I think it's, it's without question this is important to Jesus, we should take a hint that John chapter 17 is of utmost importance. Why? Because it was important to Jesus, right? We could say it like this, the enemy knows, right? The Bible even says this, scripture says this, I will build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He knows he can't defeat the church, but I think the enemy's really, really good at distracting. You know, I can't win this battle, but I can, I can, I can distract them. I can get you off mission, I can get you distracted, I can get you arguing, I can get you whatever it is, right? And that's some good news, that he will build his church. And that's true. But the bad news, as I would argue, I'd say, man, the enemy can sure distract. The enemy can totally divide. 
right? And there's no doubt if you track the, the nature of church history, when the church is united, when the community is united, when the community is focused on its purpose, which is frankly, quite frankly, it's, it's one purpose. It's letting people know about the good news of the gospel, right? It's letting people know about the good news of Jesus. It's a, it's a, a, a story that we'll always preach. It's a message that has always preached. But the enemy can divide the church, and stop us from just being this force on earth, this force bringing the spiritual, interrupting things on earth. But would you write this down, and this wasn't in your notes. A divided church is distracted. Would you say it like this? In a distracted church spends way too much time on issues that don't glorify God. A distracted church spends way too much time on issues that don't glorify God. Paul said it like this in in Romans chapter 15. Would you flip a little bit over in the New Testament? Would you jump there in your smartphone? Verse 5 through 7 of Romans 15. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Jesus Christ had. Paul is saying, I'm just going to pause right there. Paul is saying, think about one another like Jesus thought about you. Wow. That's what Paul is saying. Think about one another like Jesus thought about you. Verse 6, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So we talk about praise, you know, and we we sing about praise, and I love uh, worshiping with our team and doing different things, but this is an interesting way to bring praise to God. Did you catch that? It says we can bring glory, right, with one mind and one voice. Then look at verse 7. Would you look at verse 7? It doesn't say praise God sounds good in song form. Now, there are moments where praise sounds really bad in song form, right? Some of you are like, that's why I sing in the audience. Um, But look at this. It says, accepting one another, unity, accepting one another brings praise to God. Did you catch that? And so get this, right? Paul's prayer in Romans and the prayer of, of Jesus in John chapter 17, do we catch, they're, they're praying for the exact same thing. Their prayers are echoing one another, right? First Jesus prayed it, and then Paul, the greatest missionary the world has ever seen, prayed it. And, and I would just say, man, if, if Paul prayed for unity, and if Jesus prayed for unity, it's probably just so vital that we continue to do this. And we don't talk about that very often, do we? Because Jesus knew that when, and he said this, right? When my people are one, when my people are focused on a purpose, when my people are on mission, right? And he says this, the world will know, right? The world will know. People will know. Number two, why is it important to pray for unity We just kind of answered that question, because the world will see God's love. The world will see 
God's love. How many of us are excited for, I, I, just, I just love it because it's like my favorite Sunday, well, one of my favorite Sundays of the year. How many of us are excited for next Sunday? 3.30, who's pumped? This guy, I don't know, but I, I am. I'm always excited. And I don't even like care who's in the game. I just love the Super Bowl. I love the celebration. I love the, the finish to a, an amazing season each and every year. But when we think about it, football, right? We think about this. It's team sports are cool, and, and football is, is like no different than baseball or basketball in this concept, right? You have different people, different giftings, different skills, different backgrounds, different sizes, right? And they all have a different purpose. They all have a different assignment. They all have a different role, but really, they, and they all play a different position, I should say, right? They don't have a different purpose. They, they play a different position, they have a different assignment, they have a different role, but they have one purpose. And really, like, there's so much about football I don't understand. I played it just a little bit, but I don't understand the X's and O's, but I just like watching Patrick Mahomes do his thing. Anybody say amen to that? Right? It's just fun to watch, fun to watch. But there's so much to this game of football, but really, here it is. The concept is so simple, isn't it? Get the ball over the line. Right? The concept is get the ball in the end zone. You've got 11, they've got 11, get the ball in the end zone if you're on offense. The concept if you're on defense is very simple. Stop them from getting the ball across that line. Stop them from getting in the end zone. And there's one goal. There's one purpose. It's, it's like simple. You've got these 52-man rosters or whatever it is on that team, right? They have one purpose in mind, and that is to right? Not only outscore the other, but if we break it down, it is within the confines of the rule book, within the confines of the playing field, the, the objective is to score more points than the other team. Romans chapter 12, verse 5, Paul says this, he says, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with the body of Christ. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Paul is saying we're, we're very different, but he's saying that's really not a bad thing. We're, we're very different, but we should have different people we affect. We, have, we should have different skills. We should have different giftings, and those different skills and those different giftings and those different backgrounds should translate into reaching more people for one purpose, and that is to get people over the goal line. Right? I mean, the, the purpose is to, is to and, and it's like we get to like, it's not about us, but somehow God uses us, uses us when, my goodness, we, he doesn't have to, but we get to partner with him. Romans 15, 7, accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise, in order to bring praise to God. How many of you do have like a little bit, I mean, it could be junior high, Pop Warner, college, pro ball, I don't know, like, how many of you have like a little bit of like high school locker room or college, whatever it is, like, you, you loved sports as a kid, or you kind of dabbled them in high school? None of us. You guys are like, I don't remember. It was a long time ago, right? But I remember like, I remember the high school vibe, and Sean, you can probably relate to this, I think of like the guys, some of the guys my age, Jake at Durango, I remember like the football team always walked around and was just, and I was on the football team, right? 
But I remember they were just like a bit annoying. Anybody say amen to that? Right? You were like, you bunch of meatheads. And I'm like, and I'm one of you. I'm a meathead with you, right? But I, I remember like the, um, you know, you just walk around. And I remember like the soccer team, like any sport that kind of played during the season. You'd, I remember the soccer team. I had a buddy that would always kind of talk smack about the track team right? Or you'd, you'd kind of just, you'd, you'd, you know, or even at the same school, you'd be like a, a jock, and you'd be like, can't get involved with those theater kids, right? Right? There's just always like a vibe within this community, and, and I was like a Cimarron kid, so there's always this vibe like, oh man, look at, the, look at those kids up on the track, whatever it might be. You know, the baseball team was a little cocky, a little aloof. Then you had like the wrestlers. Somebody's laughing, right? Because there's like, just a strange, interesting sport, but you know what I say this about the wrestlers? Is everybody knew not to mess with the wrestlers. The amen to that, right? You're like, you're a little odd, you're a little weird, but anybody with an ear shaped like that will kill me, right? You need to notice that. Like, watch for cauliflower ears, fellas, right? You see that? You just, you, yes, sir, no, sir. It doesn't matter. They're like a buck 25. Stay away from them, Right? But it's like you have this like sense in any community, but I'll, I'll say it like this and, and, and kind of not just like joking and, and talking about all these different things, but I think there's this truth no matter where you went to college, if you're a Georgia Bulldog or a Roll Tide, whatever it is, right? You, you have these little like divisions within your community or in your own neighborhood, but I'll tell you like this, it, it didn't matter what sport it was when Cimarron High School played Cheyenne High School in any sport, right? It didn't matter. You would unite and you would root for that weird wrestler or that soccer team or that football team. It didn't matter because Cimarron was going to kick Cheyenne's butt no matter what, right? Because it was like, it was, it was interesting how like the, a common enemy can unite a school, right? And yet sometimes when we talk about it, it's tragic because we can joke and probably relate to that a little bit but think of that in the spiritual. Sometimes it's like we just forget that we have a common enemy that should unite the body of Christ. And it's tragic, but all too often a, another body of Christ, even within de denominations, like we're a member of this amazing family called Foursquare. But it doesn't matter if you're an assembly of God or a, 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 a I don't know, Baptist or, you know, just, just name it. It's like within denominations and within these church bodies and families, we get so caught up on Things like being too big, too small, too many offerings, money hungry, right? A different culture. They don't worship like us, right? A different ways of worshiping God, different ways of reaching God's people. But look at this, John chapter 13, verse 35. A new command I give you. And Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Oh, that's tough. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And he repeats, he says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Can we say it like this? One of the greatest uh, detractors to sharing your faith <laughs> is being snarky about somebody else's ministry, is being snarky about another believer. One of the, like, the, like I would say it like this. If everybody knows that you are my disciples by the way you love each other, then everybody will know that you aren't, or everybody won't want to be a true, right? If, if you don't love each other, what would the opposite of this be? Number three, pray for unity because we can do so much more together. 
pray for unity because we can do so much more together. I was joking about Cheyenne High School. So if there's anybody here who went to Cheyenne, I apologize, but go Spartans, right? Um, But we need to recognize spiritually that there is a real enemy in the Bible, what does the, what does the enemy say about, what does the Bible say about the enemy's mission? It says he has a mission, and it's to, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I mean, that's a pretty simple mission. I'm going to steal the unity from God's church. I'm going to kill the power that, that unites God's church. I'm going I'm to I'm kill the power that unity will have, and then get this. I'm going to destroy the credibility of the local church. I mean, those tactics never get old. And they've replayed over and over, right? We have to like be on guard to pray for unity. I'm going to say that again. The enemy's tactics to steal the unity from God's church. And when he does that, he'll kill the power that a united church will have. And when he does that, he'll destroy the credibility that the local church will have in its culture. The credibility that the local church will have. And it's like we just need to recognize that the tactics of the enemy are pretty simple. And, and, and just that if we're, if we're in tune with the Holy Spirit, we should refuse to fall for them. There should be this check before that joke, right? There should be this heart check. Like That's, why, that's one way I can explain it. When people say, like, man, how do you feel God speaking? How do you know the Holy Spirit guiding you? Sometimes it's just this, this heart check before you say something It's like, you just get it and you're like, oh my goodness, I can just feel that that grieves the Holy Spirit. Because we can do so much more when the church is unified. So turn to someone and say, man, Jesus prayed it. Paul prayed for it. <laughs> I'm going to pray for it. He said, I'm going to pray that you'll be one. As we get ready to close and we come to the table of the Lord. Can we just maybe, in your notes, make a commitment, write it down? But I, I just feel like it's, like it's, always, it's always been a goal of mine that in any conversation, and I wish I could say I was like 100% had a perfect record in this. I wish I could say like my humor, my jo- all these different things, right? But I hope and pray that in any conversation you have had with me that you've never heard me say something bad about another church. I hope you've never heard our pastoral team say something bad about another church, another leader, right? Another like family member from your, I hope and I pray. And that's a goal that I have. And truthfully, there's probably moments where I failed. Moments where I need to just ask, God, would you just forgive me? Because John 17 was important to you. And I really messed up right in that situation. I messed up, and I, God, I didn't listen to your words in Scripture. And I think even little things, like it's, it's so easy. Like, have you ever heard, like, even in, have you ever been at church, and, and maybe we've done, where it's, it's so easy to be like, well, well, well we, we, we preach verse by verse here. Right? Right? We preach, we, we I, I, could, I could build myself, I'm not afraid, I'm, I'm a pastor that'll tell you the truth. What am I actually saying? I'm actually pointing out what I believe someone else is not doing. Right? Have you ever heard people say, I'm going to tell you the truth. We're going to tell you like it is, right? We aren't like other churches, afraid to tell the truth. And I don't know why I like saying like a, an angry country voice when I say that, right? <laughs> tell the truth. I don't know why. <laughs> um, but can we say it like, God, help us not to do that. 
right? God, help us not to do that. Help us not to say things like, they don't preach against sin. I'm telling you what, I went to the biggest church in Las Vegas for Christmas Eve services just to have an amazing time with my family. And I'm sitting there listening to this pastor. His name's Pastor Judd. And he literally gives the most amazing salvation message and then he talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said, and you, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and he, and he talked about this word that big churches don't say. He, he talked about this word repentance. And he literally threw it out, and he was like, you've got to repent. Repenting means turn away. Turn away, turn away from your sin. Accept Christ and be filled with his Spirit so that you can do good. And I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm in the audience, and I'm going, that sounds like the gospel to me. <laughs> right? That sounds like an amazing presentation of the gospel. God, help us not to like be callous and to make comments like that. I've heard people say this, well, that's a, that's a seeker-sensitive church, right? And part of it's like, wasn't Jesus pretty seeker-sensitive? Just a thought. Because it seemed to me like the only people, like usually when Jesus lost his temper, when he got upset, usually he got upset with the, ch the constant churchgoer. Usually he got upset with these people called Pharisees. Usually it was, it was the people when he, got re, when he went into rebuke mode and, and, and like business mode and, and throwing people out of the temple mode, right? He usually got heated with kind of like the regular church attender. The point, the purpose, what is it? It's about to bring lost people into relationship with God using different methods, using different things. Um, and so as we close, um, I just want to pray and I just want to kind of just ask the Holy Spirit, God, would you just search us today? And here's what I'm not saying. Like sometimes it's like, if, 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 if you're literally like you have absolute proof that someone is using methods that aren't biblical, right? There are things we can speak. I'm not saying we don't speak truth if someone says, well, you know, Jesus sinned just like other people, right? If you, if you see things that are not in the Bible, I'm not saying we don't speak out against the big things, right? When you, when you hear people that, you know, if people say, um, you, well, you know, hell is not real. Okay, oh, really, right? That, that, is, that, is, that is kind of like a, a tra not tradition, but that is, that is important, right? When you see people that say, you know, you, 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 can, you can work really hard and you're going to get to heaven, Right, there's certain things that, certain truths that, of, of course, right? I was, I was texting with my dad yesterday and, and I was talking about what are some of these things that come up, right? If, if you hear people say that, you know, God has many different names and they're all revealed in other religions, Buddha, Muhammad, name it, you say so, right? If you, if you hear those things, right, church, we're going to correct that, right? We're going to speak out. If you hear someone say, well, Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. Oh, no, 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 Right? That is, that, is, that, is, that, is, that is the line that we will not cross, right? But outside of the realm of like these important, these non-negotiable beliefs of Christianity, like we got to address those, those, those over-the-line comments. But if it's not this massive like theological mistake, right? Let's, can we be for our church? Can we be for our churches? Can we be for our community? Can we be for that TV preacher? And if you don't like him, you can always change the channel. I love how like we spend so much time worried about like something that like you know, it's like wow you can click to another channel right but can we be people that we commit to speaking well of each other 
speaking well of folks that we do ministry with, speaking well of people that we serve God with, because people you work with, they're listening. That, that teacher down the hall from you, they're, they're listening. That person in the cubicle next door, they're, they're listening, right? And let's not nitpick churches over, gosh, we, we get upset over like contemporary songs or hymns or wow, this giant LED wall on the wall. Like we get upset over all these different things, right? I remember hearing like, there's no cross in that sanctuary or there's 40 crosses in that sanctuary. It's like we get so caught up on these peripheral issues. And in the reality is, and you could, I would love for you to have a conversation with our missionaries that go to Africa, Mark and Jan Wyatt. I would love for you to speak to a missionary like Jim Thompson. I would love for you to speak to someone who maybe is in the underground church in China. Like We worry about how many crosses are in our church when you have people in different countries that are literally being beheaded for believing in the name of Jesus, right? You have people that will walk four hours in Africa, eight hours in Africa to a church service, and we literally get frustrated driving 20 minutes to Jones and Sahara, right? Like we have to think about these things. We have to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Can we pray? God, we pray for unity in God's family because quite simply, the world will see Jesus. When we're unified, God will use our differences. He'll use men and women and kids and old and brown and white and poor and rich, small churches, big churches, every background, every tongue, every language, all these differences we don't even know about. God, you'll use all of that in a unified church to bring people to you. But God, help us not to take shots at each other. God, help us not take shots at each other. The Bible says this, that the world will know God that you sent a Savior when we are unified. God, we're going to come before the table of the Lord. Would you take the elements this morning? And before you take the bread, and would you just hold it in your hand this morning, and then we'll get ready to receive the cup. We can open our eyes for a minute. Maybe we'll pray, continue praying, but can we just jump into the table of the Lord today if you have the bread? And if you are here and you still need a, a cup, you can throw your hand up. Somebody will run. Anybody need communion? Go ahead and throw your hand in the air and we'll make sure you get one. We'll, we'll take a second. But God, before we come before the table of the Lord, the Bible says that we should examine ourselves. Can we just ask the Holy Spirit, can we ask the Lord that, God, is there anything in me where I have been speaking ill of your church? And I'm not just talking about Cornerstone, our block. I'm talking about God's church. Maybe it was a church you used to attend. Whatever it is, God, is there anything in me I need to let go of? God, is there a hurt in me that keeps coming out? And it's coming out through my jokes. It's coming out through my pain. It's coming out through my trauma. God, it's, it's coming out of me, and I don't know why. But God, help me strive for John chapter 17. God, help me strive and pray daily 
for unity because it can go be so easy to go down that road of a comment or a joke but the reality is before we come to the table of the lord can we i I say this in my heart god forgive me for tearing down your bride god forgive me for for speaking ill of the bride of christ your church and i want to commit my life to praying for unity living out the heart of Jesus, living out the cry of Paul. They prayed, God, help us be one. So as we close this series on prayer, I think that's so important. God, help us be one. Unity within the body of Christ. And help us keep fellow Christians around the world that aren't in this overly wealthy, comfortable, comfortable culture of Christianity. But God, help us keep in mind those those folks that are at cornerstone churches and cornerstone schools in Africa. God, help us those, those countries where people are just being taken away for believing in your son. Suffering for the name of Jesus. Jesus took the body. He broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Would you take and would you eat and would you do this in remembrance of me? Church, can we partake today? And he took the cup. He turned it over at the table and he said, this is the new covenant. It's the new covenant I'm making with you. This is the final sacrifice, right? This is the the covering, the shed, the shed blood of Jesus, the covering for our sins, we are all guilty, but because of the blood, we can be made new, we can be forgiven, and there doesn't need to be any more sacrifices. Can we take and we can we drink and do this in remembrance of him? Let's pray, and let's close. God, we love you. God, we thank you for this day, and as we said earlier, God, help us commit our lives to prayer. Help us commit our lives to prayer as we close this 21 days of prayer and fasting, but God, help us commit our lives to praying for unity. If that's you this morning, I just want to, like, you can be in church 40 years, 50 years, five minutes, but if you, if you just would, would you just lift your hand? And I don't even need to look around because I would just hope every hand would go up. God, if, if, if you, God's just saying, Holy Spirit's just saying, you know what? I want you to commit to praying for unity within God's body, within the body of Christ. Would you just lift your hand? If that's important to you, if you feel God speaking that to you today, it was important to Paul, it was important to Jesus. God, it's going to be important to me. God, help me pray for unity. our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to ask you a question. Maybe you're here today and we talk about unity and we talk about prayer and all of these different things, but maybe you're here today and I just want to say, maybe you walked away from God because of what you saw in church. Ooh, that's a reality. And it could be an excuse, but it's also where some of us might be at. But maybe you're here today and you've walked away from Jesus, maybe for whatever reason, but maybe you just got tired of watching Christians treat each other terribly wrong. Maybe, maybe that's in your past, maybe when you were young, when you were a teenager, in your 20s, whatever it is. 
but maybe just watching Christians talk about each other and treat each other. It's maybe just one of the things that just turned you off to Jesus was the fact that you saw Christians that didn't behave any different than the world. And Christians that didn't put the heart of John chapter 17, the heart of Jesus on display. I want us to say this. The heart of Jesus is calling you home. If you're far from God, he's calling you home. If you accepted the Lord when you were young, young, and whatever it meant, he's calling you home. He's knocking at the door. You're not here from, by mistake. You, maybe you've been doing life through your 20s or 30s your own way or your 40s or 50s. It really doesn't matter. But the, the, what matters, there's such great news, is that God shows his love for us because he sent Jesus to the world. He sent Jesus for you. The Bible says he was perfect in every way, died on the cross to bring forgiveness to each and every one of our sins from last week, last month, 20 years ago, and the ones for tomorrow. And I just want to say this. Jesus loves you. He cares for you. He wants to know you. He wants to cover you. He wants to redeem what has been stolen. He wants to make right those things that have been lost. Jesus is pursuing you. And he's pursuing a relationship with you. And he wants to forgive you. The Bible says one of the ways we can be saved, the way to be saved, is to acknowledge Jesus. God, I want to acknowledge you. I want to turn to you. I want to turn from who I've been, and I want to turn towards you. One of the ways we acknowledge Jesus in this house is just by lifting our eyes or just lifting our hands. That physical action doesn't necessarily make, you can do it in your heart. If you're watching at home, there's nobody to watch if you're, if you're lifting your hand. So if you're watching online, if you're in the house today, but I just want to invite those of us that are here, we want to connect with you. We want to know, but if you want to acknowledge Jesus in this house, I just want you to, I want to invite you. Nobody, our heads are bowed. We're going we're gonna to be done in a minute. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. But if you want to acknowledge Jesus in this house today, would you just begin to lift a hand? I'm just going to count to three. One, two, and three. And I see two, I see three over there. Would you lift your hands in the house? I see you over there and I see you in the back. I see you over this way. Can, and, and, and again, maybe it's for the first time. Maybe it's for the, the 20th time. I see these hands over here. I see you over here. And then I'm, I'm going to go to the left side. I see you back here. Amen. God, we, we acknowledge you today. We thank you for these decisions. God, we thank you for these people. We thank you for these lives redirecting their eyes to you. Church, all of us together, because this is just exciting stuff, can we just thank him and say, God, we, 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 we recognize hearts coming to you. Amen. Church, let's everybody as one body, let's pray this. Jesus, I need you to save me today. Mm. Could we just say that? God, I need you to save me. Would you just see that? I need you. Forgive all my sins. And Jesus, save me. I give you my life. And I want to know you personally. God, by faith, I give you my life today. Let's say this. Change me so that I might live for you. In Jesus' name, all God's people this morning said amen. Amen. Can we applaud him? Can we praise him?
Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, You can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with friends, share it with family. Help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.